My name is Tom, and I lead our team here at Crossroads. And if you guys have been with us for a while, we've been making our way through the book of James. We started way back in the first week of October, and we have two, count them, two Sundays left, today and tomorrow. So the scripture that we're going to be looking at is James's kind of concluding text to his audience. Um, and I have been told in public speaking courses, preaching courses, teaching, that kind of stuff, that you need to grab your audience's attention right off the bat with something exciting, something engaging, something intriguing. And I was thinking about this morning's topic, which is prayer. And so I was trying to come up with some kind of nifty something or other. And I can come up with nothing better than to explain to you what the last 20 years of my life has been. I'll do it really quickly, I promise. Um, so I have been praying. There are prayers that I have been praying for going on 20 years now. And um, these, are like, these are not little prayers. These are big, big prayers asking for God to do miraculous things. And um, I, have, I have prayed these prayers by myself. I have prayed them with a sense of expectancy. I have prayed them in faith and in confidence. I've prayed them clinging by a very thread, by my fingernails, just for God to, to do something to show me that he was still in what I was praying for. I've prayed with other people, like together as a group. I've had other people pray for us. And when I was just at the end of it, I knew there were other people praying for us because we couldn't pray for ourselves. And um, I have to tell you, folks, like this, God is coming through in ways like, the Bible says that he will answer prayers in ways that more than we could ask or imagine, right? God is answering prayers in my life right now that are just ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. The generosity with which he is answering them, the manner in which he is answering them, I mean, like, really, just absolutely mind-blowing. Like, if I had an unlimited supply of coffee, J.K. Rowling and Steven Spielberg, we could not write this stuff the way that this is happening, okay? And I just, I'm, I'm trying to express to you, like, here's the, here's the thing. These, these prayers, the subject of them, are, they just so clearly communicate my desperate need for God's work in my life. And they, the way that he's answering them so clearly communicates not only his desire, but his ability to answer them. Right, so I don't know where everybody's coming, what kind of week you had, where you're coming from. I don't know the things that you've been praying for or not praying for. Or maybe you don't even know if prayer is real. So, folks, this morning, the deal is this, that prayer is real. And um, it, it absolutely, it works. Prayer recognizes not only our desperate need for God, but it recognizes his ability and his desire to meet those needs. So wherever you're coming from this morning, my prayer is that when you leave here this morning, you will be encouraged, you will be emboldened, you will be empowered to pray, even for those things that you've been praying for for a long time and you feel like God doesn't hear you. That's what this morning is about, that we would just get our brains around this awesome, awesome gift called prayer that God has given us and that we would leave here ready to pray like never before. 
So we are in, Bruce, my slides are all over the place. So if you could um, put up James 5, 13 through 18, we'll start there. Yeah, good. All right, now I think I got it back. All right. <clears throat> Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Five verses, there's a ton in there. So I'm going to do a quick, like, journalistic look at the W's, who and what and, and when. And then um, I'm going to use verse 15 as kind of like the focal point for the, rest of our, for the rest of our conversation. So here we go. When, right? When we should pray. The scripture, James tells us, are you sick? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. In song, pray. Do you need help? Get somebody else pray with you. Basically, no matter what happens, pray. The rest of scripture tells us the same thing. First Thessalonians, pray continually. Philippians 4, in every situation. Ephesians 6, on all occasions. Those are not like, you know, there's no waffling in those words. All, every, constantly, all the time. Our first reactions to things should be prayer. I don't know, I was trying to come up with like what the, the positive equivalent of a knee-jerk reaction is. Like knee-jerk tends to be uh, a negative thing, like a reflexive negative thing. But that's, it should be like second nature. It should be like breathing. Anything that comes across our path, we should respond with, with prayer. The, God wants us to be engaged with him on, on, a regular, on a regular basis throughout the day. And what can be challenging is, I think our, our gut level response is when things aren't going well, we, okay, I'm going to pray. I need, I need God's help. So let's flip that around for a second. We need to be super, super intentional about when things are going well to pray, right? Because every good gift, we, did, we talked about that at the beginning of James, James chapter 1. Every good gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good gift is from God. So if you're in a spot right here this morning and you're thinking about, oh, this is going to be kind of a downer, talking about prayer, really hard things. Prayer is a response to the really good things too. Prayers of thanksgiving and, and gratitude and thank you and, and celebration. And I, I'm putting a special focus on that because it's not our natural inclination to stop and pause and recognize God for, for the good stuff, right? The when, pretty, pretty self-explanatory constantly. The what. What we, should, what we should be praying for. And this is, I, I pulled this from Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Some of us grew up in um, mainline denominational churches known as the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. But it spells out what we should be doing in prayer. All of scripture tells us that we should be trying to spend time with God. More than anything, and these are kind of listed in order of, this is priority. The Bible does not prioritize them. This is a kind of a priority that I've assigned to them. Number one should be just being with God. Prayer should be an opportunity for us to be 
with God. Plain and simple. That's what he wants. That's what we were created for. Telling God how you feel about him. So there's another word, like sometimes this is called adoration. Church word for it. Just the, the Psalms, right? The Bible's prayer songbook, right? Big, longest book of the Bible, right in the middle of the Bible, is just people telling God how they feel about him. God, you're great. Oh my gosh, God, look at your creation. God, you picked me up out of the slimy pit and you set my foot on a rock. Using God's own words to tell him how he feels about him is not cheating. It's actually a really good way to do that, especially for people like me. You need some, some help with that, right? Telling God how you feel about him. Confession. We did a whole week on this a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to belabor this point. But just telling God where you've fallen short of the things that he has for you. Where you've dropped the ball, where you've sinned. Saying thanks. Kind of touched on this a little bit already. Gratitude. The verse in Thessalonians that says pray constantly. It says in thanksgiving in all circumstances. Thanksgiving in all circumstances. Right? So we focused on praying when things are good. But we pray also when things are bad, right? And we pray with thanksgiving. We say thank you. We remember, right? Lots of us remember to, to say thanks around meals, right? We say grace. Um, but it should be, should be ongoing. And asking, asking for help. This tends to be the one that we think of most often as prayer. Oh, yeah, I need something. I'm going to ask God. But in reality, on my kind of priority list. I think that's at the, at the bottom of them. Yes, God wants to meet your needs. Yes, he's capable. Yes, he's willing. Yes, he's going to. So we should pray those. The Bible tells us to pray them, but in the order of that other stuff, I think this one is, is on the bottom. And this is any, if you have a financial need, if you have a relational need, if you need guidance, should I, should I go after this job? Should I move to this location? If you need healing, if you need protection, those are all things that God is more than willing, more than capable of providing. Okay, the what? That's the what. Who? You. You should pray. The, the last section of the verses that we read talk about a guy named Elijah. Elijah was a character in the Old Testament. He was a messenger from God, and he was an everyday person. The point of including him in this text is that he was just like you and me. He was just a guy, just an ordinary Joe. But his prayers, through his prayers, amazing things were accomplished. This one piece of scripture tells us how he prayed for drought, and there was drought. He prayed for rain. There was rain. He also went up and did prayer battle, I guess for lack of a better term, against these priests who worship another god. And he said, all right, let's, let's just be done with this. If you guys can make that sacrifice light on fire just by praying to your God, I'll walk away. And then same thing for me. I'm going to make this sacrifice light on fire. I'm not going to do it. God's going to do it through me, through a prayer. And they, they, the priests of Baal, they go crazy and they can't make it happen. Can't make it happen. Can't make it happen. Elijah's like, you know what? I'll do you one better. Let's just soak this stuff in water. Soaks it in water. Poof! Stuff goes up in flames. Through the, the prayer of one person, right? An everyday person. So here's the other thing. Here's the other piece of Elijah. 
Elijah was just like you and me. Elijah suffered from depression. He suffered from despair. He got bitter. He got lonely. He wasn't some super saint. He was a real dude with real emotions that struggled and was able to turn to God and the power of God working through him did amazing things. And that's each and every one of us. We should also pray with and for each other. If you have never had the opportunity to, to pray with someone, I can't tell you just how encouraging it is just to sit down, even if it's just two people, just to know that somebody is agreeing with you in, in prayer, right? That you can, you can build each other up, you can pray for each other. Super, super encouraging. And as I kind of mentioned in my little preamble, having people to pray for you in those moments when we just feel like we can't pray for ourselves anymore, we feel like God's not hearing us, man, I, like of all the ways that the body of Crossroads has come through for my family and I, praying for us when we were at the ends of our rope could be like the most awesome and coolest way that, that we've experienced that. So praying with and praying for each other. And the, the verses in James referenced asking the elders to pray for you. So our elders, Craig is sitting in the back, back there. Um, Carrie's sitting right here. And Norbert, where's Norbert? Is over there. And myself. The elders of the church <clears throat> are appointed. They're, they're in their positions because of um, their maturity and their faith. They're in their positions because of the personal rhythms that they have with Jesus, that of their of their constant pursuit of Jesus in their lives and in putting Jesus first in the lives of their family. They each each of them has a a great working knowledge of Scripture. Each of them prays for us as a body, prays for you as individuals on a regular basis. They're not super saints. I'm not a super saint. Sorry, Carrie, Craig, Norbert, you guys aren't super saints. Well, <laughs> um, but they, do, they are devoted to prayer. That's part of their job description, to pray for you and to pray with you. So if there's something going on, something big, something small, grab one of us. Send us an email. Text us. Go on the website. There's a prayer request thing on the .info website. And let us know. We would love... We've gone to people's homes to pray with them. We've prayed with people over here in the, in the teacher's lounge if that doesn't work. But please take advantage of that. And just kind of, not a, not a side note, but an exp explanatory note. The, the verse that talks about elders says they'll anoint you with oil. And there's nothing, prayer does not work because of the oil, right? The oil is symbolic. It's symbolic of the presence of God. It's symbolic of being set apart for God, the special attention of the prayer and that God would, would work through that. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. All right, where are we at? Verse 15, this is the one I was gonna, we're gonna focus on to kind of round out this, this discussion. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So the first thing I wanna look at that phrase, the prayer offered in faith. What does that mean? How do we know if we're offering a prayer in faith? First, and it, so this is kind of, James is winding his way into his conclusion here, right? Chapter one, he started by, by 
encouraging us to, towards a wholehearted commitment to Jesus. The prayer prayed in faith is prayed by someone who is wholly committed, wholly devoted to Jesus. And one of the things that I talked about when we talked about being wholly committed to Jesus is what if there is something in your life that if Jesus asked you for it, you would be like, ooh, I give you everything, Jesus, but not that. Right? We want to be the kind of people that when Jesus says, go, we go. He says, stay, we stay. We want to be the kind of people if Jesus says, you know what? That person's not the right person for you. That we move on. When we put our kids in God's place as an idol and Jesus calls us on that, like, okay, all right, you're right. I'm sorry, Jesus. They're sitting in your spot. Wholly committed, right? The prayer of prayer offered in faith is offered by someone who's wholly committed. We need to kind of strike a balance between this being torn between. You know, God doesn't really answer prayer. God's not going to heal me. God's not going to do X, Y, or Z for me on one end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum, expecting like, that we, like God's a genie in a bottle and that whatever we pray, whenever we pray it, however we pray it, he's going he's gonna to answer that. And the, the, all of this, this idea of the prayer offered in faith, is wrapped up in the idea of trusting 100% trusting in God's perfect will. And the, the prayers that God has been answering in my life, the, God's call on us to trust in those specific prayers was so hard because it just felt so wrong and so bad for so long. But like I said, I, I, I could not have scripted what is happening, what is happening now? The trust in God's perfect will. The prayer offered in faith, holy, holy committed, not treating God like a genie in a bottle and trusting in his perfect will regardless of what answer you may or may not get. Okay, the next part of that. The Lord will raise them up. One of James's biggest biggest themes, one of the things that he's kind of been calling us to again and again is this idea of humility. And I was thinking about this. I don't, I don't think there's really a, big, a biblical concept quite like prayer when it comes to expressing humility towards God. However we pray, if it's confession, we have to, we're humbling ourselves before God. If we're telling God how we feel about him, we're humbling ourselves before God. Right? If we're just spending time with him, we're stopping, we're choosing God over other things. Every form of prayer, right? Even there's a, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is calling out a guy for being kind of self-righteous. And the guy says, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you that I'm not like this sinner over here. Right? Even that, as messed up as that is, he's thanking God in the midst of that prayer. Right? It's screwed up prayer, but he's still recognizing his position before, before God. Throughout the pages of scripture, we're called to humble ourselves and God will lift us up. Humble ourselves and God will lift us up. 
God brings low the proud and raises the humble. The Lord will raise them up. Okay, sickness, sin, and unanswered prayer. And sometimes people can get kind of worked up in this stuff. So let me say this. There is not a one-to-one correlation between illness and sin. If you are sick, you have some sort of chronic pain, fatigue, uh, a health condition, it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean that you've sinned. There's not a one-to-one correlation between sickness and sin. That's what, there's a, a kind of this bent of Christianity that preaches a health and wealth gospel, that if you do all the right things and you say all the right things, that you will be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I really question sometimes whether those guys have read the New Testament or not. Right? Jesus' 12 closest friends took a beating in his name. All but one of them ended up dying in his name for him. Last time I checked, dying is like the exact opposite of health. So there, you just if you're struggling with something, you didn't do anything wrong. There's not a one-to-one correlation. Now, the idea of us participating in an, on, like knowingly participating in an ongoing sin, that absolutely will affect your ability to pray. Right? If, if we are knowingly engaged in an ongoing sin, we have no right to expect answers to those prayers. And this is you know, known ongoing sin. So all of this is kind of nuanced. So I don't want you to think that um, answered prayer is dependent upon my, my righteousness, my doing good stuff. Jesus, I've been reading my Bible. I just pounded through the book of Habakkuk, right? I got to get some extra credit for Habakkuk or Habakkuk. David, how do you say it? Okay, thank you. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. God answers prayers based on his mercy and his grace. And that leads me to the idea of, of unanswered prayer. And I, I, the best thing I can do is point to Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, and to Jesus himself. Paul had a, some, most scholars think that he had some sort of physical ailment that he pleaded with God to remove from him. He pleaded with God, please take this away from me. And God didn't take it away from him. But Paul pressed on. He pressed on confidently. He moved forward confidently, trusting in God's perfect will. Jesus, in the garden, the night before he died, he said, Father, if there is another way to get this done, please. I know this is going to be really, really hard. The weight of the sin of the history of humanity and the future of humanity. Where Jesus moved forward was he said, not my will, but yours. Paul moved forward. Jesus moved forward. They moved forward in confidence because of their trust in the will of God. That the answer that God gave them was going to be better than whatever it was that they were praying for. 
better for them, better for the kingdom, more glory to God. So when we're confronted with what feels like those unanswered prayers, we need to do everything we can to muster up that faith to say, God, you, you got this. You know, you know better than I do. And to, and to move forward. And I'm not, believe me, folks, I, I know some of your stories and I know where some of you are and I'm not trying to, to belittle or make light of any of the hardships or the ongoing prayers or the things that you feel that, that God may or may not be doing in, in regard to, to answered prayer. It's not that at all. It's actually the exact opposite. Um, that I am, I am recognizing how tough those things are and how much God wants the absolute best for you. I want to share with you a couple of verses. Not there. Um, I want to share with you a couple of verses that uh, talk about why, why we can move so forward so, so confidently. Bruce, can you put up that Daniel verse for me? We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Daniel is another messenger of God in the Old Testament. Really difficult circumstances. He was basically being held captive and was being told that he had to behave in a certain way or he was going to face death. And he, he stuck to his guns and he walked with God and he was able to, to, move, to move through that stuff. But it wasn't based on, hey, I'm doing the right thing, God. Look at me. It was... God, in your mercy, I know you're going to do this. Again, James' concluding remarks, so he's kind of going back to the things that we've talked about over the course of, um, of these messages. So, Bruce, could you put up the, the definition of mercy for me? The Bible talks about mercy and uses a lot of different words, and I came up with this definition for us when we were talking about it earlier. Forgiving, loving, kindness, and generosity with all the tenacity of a mother bear and the depth of of the ocean. That's God's mercy for us, right? That's why we can move forward in confidence because of God's mercy. Um, next slide. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. God is relational. You were created to be in relationship with him. I was created to be in relationship with him. God didn't create us because he needed us. He created us because he wanted us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. He wants to sit with us. He's like that friend or your spouse or your buddy who you can like talk a thousand miles an hour with or you can sit there and not say a word for hours. God wants to be with you. That's why I prioritize that first and what prayer actually is. Being with God being in communion with God. Next one. Old Testament and New Testament. Isaiah, another messenger of God, the book of Romans. The Lord in majesty will be for us. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The God of the universe, omnipotent, omniscient. There's another omni. I'm losing it right now. Thank you. Um, omnipresent, the God of the universe is for us. The God of the universe does not have bad days. 
when he's not going to come through for you. The God of the universe does not take coffee breaks when he's going to leave you alone. The God of the universe does not need his me time, and he's going to say, sorry, just need a little, little time to myself. The God of the universe is for you. The God of the universe is for you. He loves you unconditionally, and he wants to lavish loving kindness on you. Might not be the way that you're asking him for right now, but it's way better than that. So we come to God in prayer and talking specifically about these needs, and, and some of them are big and personal. And, you know, we pray for things like freedom from addiction, and we pray for, um, for children that are struggling, and we pray for our marriages, and just really, really big things. And sometimes we pray for the move of God, right, in a church community and in individuals in a region. I want to read to you a story um, that kind of encapsulates this. Dr. J. Edwin Orr, the greatest authority ever on revival in the church, was a lecturer at Wheaton College. He took some students in 1940 for a brief visit to England to visit the Epworth Refectory, where John, John Wesley was based. John Wesley was the guy who started um, Methodism, Methodists. The Methodist Church was founded by, by John Wesley, and he was a, an amazing preacher, did a great things for the kingdom of God. Beside the bed are two worn impressions in the carpet where it was said that John Wesley knelt for hours in, pr in prayer for England's social and spiritual renewal. As the students were getting on the bus, the teacher noticed one missing. Going back upstairs, he found one student kneeling in the carpet knee holes, praying with his face on the bed. Oh, Lord, do it again. Do it again. Or placed his hand on the student's shoulder and gently said, come on, Billy, we must be going. And rising, Billy Graham joined the bus. God will do it again if we are committed to praying. The Bible says to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. All it takes is one man or one woman to stand in the gap and pray. Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist, the person who maybe did more than anybody else in the last century to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, prayed. He prayed that God would move through him, that God would do it again, that God would reach out and touch people. And God moved. Billy Graham seems like a super saint, but he was one person. And he got it. Billy Graham got it, right? He knew it wasn't him that was going to do anything amazing. It was the God of the universe who could and would work in and through him to do amazing things. So my hope and my prayer for all of us this morning is that um, we could leave here knowing that prayer is real and it works and it recognizes our need of God and it recognizes his desire to meet our needs and to be with us and his ability to do that. So I hope and I pray that you could move forward with renewed faith and renewed confidence with the renewed sense of expectancy that God hears and answers your prayers and with the renewed hope that God would do just that. So we created, I tried to restrain myself and keep my comments short. Um, we tried to create the rest of the space in the service 
for an opportunity to pray. Marvin's going to come back up here, and um, we got a bunch of music lined up. So if that's the way that you pray best, please join him in singing. We are also um, going to take some time. We had you pick up those cards. If you didn't get your card, please go get it. Um, use those as a focal point for your prayer. What it is that you wanted to commit to do to look up, what you wanted to do to lean in, what you wanted to do to reach out, that would be a great thing to be praying about. Additionally, myself and the other elders are going to be kind of strategically placed around the room, sort of in the, in the four corners. And I would like to encourage you each to stand up and to come see one of us and to let us pray for you. And if there's, if there's not a specific need necessarily that, um, that you want to share or are willing to share or maybe just things are going great right now, and just come up and let us pray a prayer of blessing for you and over you. Um, but if there is something going on, please come up and, and let us know. Um, do your best to keep your descriptions short. So we don't, you know, we won't, we're not going to cut our prayers short, but we want to make sure we get a chance to pray for everybody. And we have a bunch of backup prayers ready to hop up and, and start praying if the lines get really long or, you know, um, it looks like we're going to be here a while. So we do this like once or twice a year. If you've not experienced this before, I promise you this is not anything weird. This is not like anything funky. We just, we know from firsthand experience what God does in and through prayer. And we, we want to bless as many people as we can with that. So sit, sing, pray, be still. If you have your card, pray through that stuff. But also please take advantage of the opportunity to have someone um, pray with you and for you.